Hey, Ryan. Hello, my friend. Good to see good you to again, see you. brother. Yeah, yeah, good to see you in these crazy times. Crazy, crazy times. And we just did a show two weeks ago. And, uh, and Bonus episode. Back. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe we'll continue to sort of uh, increase our, our, our bandwidth here as we, um, you know, navigate this quarantine together. Because, you know, my sense is that these shows um, are helping people. If anything, just giving people something to do for an hour. You know what I mean? Some yeah. way to just... Uh, to focus on something that's hopefully a little bit uplifting, hopefully is able to create just a tiny bit more meaning for us as we're yeah, opportunity to connect and totally for what I mean, you know, it's minimum to connect, but also then to like make sense out of everything together, you know, rather than just sitting passively in a time that's so uncertain, you know. Yep. So yeah, totally. It's nice well, to be here and have people joining us today. You know, today we're going to be talking about um, creativity. We're going to call the show "Inhabit Your Creativity" and. Um, I got to say, Ryan, what a, what a good time to do this. You and I were talking before the show and I was actually commenting yeah. how, you know, I'm just feeling actually a little bit depleted these days, a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit burnt out. And it's largely because, you know, I've been doing so many of these shows and yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a marathon. And you know, what I notice is when I'm in those periods of intensity, um, you know, there's a crash that oftentimes follows. Yep. Um, I think, and I, I, I think there's things that we can do to help sort of, sustain ourselves and maybe take a little bit of the edge off when we do sort of have to crash again. I think everybody's, my sense is that a lot of us are arriving at a similar point. I mean, obviously you've been doing all these shows, so I can very much get that you're going to be like tapped out of what else you, what what else you going to say about what else do you want from me people? (laughs) What else are we going to say overtly about, you know, the coronavirus and all the quarantine and things like that. Um, But also I just feel like energetically, I think I mentioned this last time, but even though the situation is really difficult and there's a lot of pain and suffering up front, there's that, there's a novelty of the situation, you know, like we're all having a sleepover, you know, or something like that. And, but that wears off just like any experience. So I think that part's worn off. I think we were into it a month, right? Basically about a month, mm-hmm. depending on when people said the quarantine, some people are, are not as far along, but you got that. And then we have the fact that, I mean, actually right now, a lot of things, a lot of states are, and countries are, have reached the peak of the predicted curve or, mm-hmm. or gone a little past it. So it's like all these things where we're all just like worn out, you know what I mean? And, and sitting here saying, now what? So I like, you know, the, I know you and I were talking about like, well, we don't want to do just another episode on uh, coronavirus and the quarantine and economy and all that. Um, but we said, well, what are we going to talk about? And creativity felt perfect because a lot of people are still quarantined and, and have time on their hands in a certain way. So it's like, whoa, what do I want to do with my time? That's so right. it felt like, and we had talked about this. I think people had wanted this episode before uh, to talk about creativity. So it seems like a perfect time. Yeah, totally. And, you know, um, for myself, it's, it's uh, again, just, I, I think it's going to be such a great topic because, you know, when people ask me, what do you do? What's your role at Integral Life and all that? I oftentimes mm-hmm. lead with, you know, I'm an artist. I'm an integral artist. And, you know, one of the reasons I say that is because I feel like it lets me get away with the most shit. You know what I mean? Like I have like uh-huh. maximum latitude to fuck up. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, he's just an artist. He's just throwing yeah. shit against the wall and seeing mistakes yeah. and all that. Yeah, um, totally. But I do. I, I really do see sort of my own karma yoga here at Integral Life as an artistic practice first and foremost, um, particularly mm. through the writing, through these conversations, you know, down mm. to the images that we choose to, to represent. I mean, even to building the site itself. I mean, this is yeah. all coming from sort of that creative yeah. spark um, yeah. that is in every single one of us. 
and that hopefully this show will help people sort of uncover for themselves and feel into. Um, And we've got a couple, you know, I think really cool things to share today. Um, I was able to pull a five minute um, excerpt with Ken Wilber from a couple years ago, which was pretty killer. We'll run that a little bit later. Um, I've got a a short piece of writing that I actually wrote with that clip back then that I want, I feel like is kind of Mm -hmm. appropriate for the theme of today, which I'll share. And I know that you have a piece that you want to share. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, anyone who's listening, if you guys have something to share, your perspectives, your practice, we want to know what your actual creative practice is um, and how it's helping you sort of endure uh, these really challenging times, um, how you're finding sort of nourishment in the midst of this kind of purposeful isolation that we're doing right now. Um, so it's going to be a rich show. It's going to be a yeah. very fertile ground for us, I think. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, I think... Uh, I mean, given this episode on creativity, we obviously could go in any number of directions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that clip that you have of Ken, which I, I, I don't know when you're going to show up, but, um, or maybe I know is what you wrote, spoke to what is creativity? Because that's always the question that comes up. And I was just thinking about that, you know, what's, what's the definition of creativity? What do we think? What have we internalized about that name, about that word? And, um, that might be a helpful place to start because otherwise, you know, every, you, me, everybody listening already has this shared word, but it may not have the same uh, referent, you know, sure. reference for it. Um, so we maybe like unpack that a little bit yeah. uh, before we get into maybe the practice of creativity or the art of it, uh, the process, whatever. Yeah, um, sure. No, I don't I'd know if you want to share, share that, what you wrote. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I can, I can read that. It's a, it's a fairly short piece, but I do, um, I just feel like it's, it just matches the theme of today. Um, you know, I kind of wrote it, uh, again, I wrote it a few years ago and it's the, it's the piece that's accompanying, um, the talk that we're actually going to show with Ken. So it's Hmm. all on the same page. So what I'll do is I'll just, uh, let me share the screen real quick so everyone can see what the, what this content piece actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see here. Just one sec. Let's make sure I don't have anything bra- embarrassing in my browser window. No, I think we're good. I always cross my fingers to that it was. <laughs> Just a couple things about the Final Fantasy remake, which I'm looking forward to checking out. Anyway, uh, so here is the piece that we'll be showing. Um, so it's from a talk that Ken did at the Integral Spiritual Experience several years ago called Cosmic Creativity, How to Manifest the Universe. Uh, beautiful image by Android, Android Jones, who's one of our featured artists on Integral Life. And uh, yeah, here's the piece that I wrote. Let me get these windows out of the way. Okay. So, what comes to mind when you hear the word creativity? Do you think of a great artistic achievement like Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel or Van Gogh's Starry Night? Do you think of musical masterpieces like Beethoven's Ninth or Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland? Or do you think of those great triumphs of human intellect, such as the moment Einstein peeked behind the curtain of time and space and discovered the elegant simplicity of E equals MC squared? These are all examples of tremendously creative moments that continue to shape and recreate the world around us. But this is also a tremendously creative moment right here, right now. There is an inherent creative spark at the core of each and every moment within every single drop of experience you've ever had. That is, every moment has an element of karma, including the patterns of the previous moment so that the manifest world continues to exist, which seems important, and an element of creativity, transcending the patterns of the previous moment so that something new can come into being. 
which means that creativity is itself inextricably woven into the fabric of the universe. In fact, one useful definition of spirituality might simply be the ability to recognize and participate with the creative openings and opportunities of every passing moment. You don't need a paintbrush to be creative. Your own unique perspective is your brush. You don't need an instrument to be creative. Your body-mind is your instrument. You don't need a canvas to be creative. Your friends and family and relationships are your canvas. You don't need a masterpiece or grand theory to be creative. Your life is your masterpiece. In other words, you don't need to be an artist to be creative. You just need to be someone who truly wants to awaken to the sublime beauty of this and every moment. We are all evolutionary artists, regardless of our particular skills or talents or styles of self-expression. Because in the end, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. As Carl Sagan reminds us, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. So let's create a universe together. Then we can have some pie. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I meant some of it. It's awesome. Yeah, I think that sets up the conversation really well because, um, yeah, uh, what do we think about creativity? What is it? Can I be creative? And what context can I be creative? Blah, blah, blah. We have all these things that pop up before we actually even just let ourselves be creative, you know? And this speaks to, um, well, and we'll see this in Ken's video too, but about there being inherent creativity that's part of fabric of the universe of, of our own nature is is creative inherently um and what's interesting I'm, I'm glad we started with this and i'm really happy to see kin's video here in a minute but um these days if you look up creativity a lot like i just put it in google you know um one thing that happens a lot is that even though we can say um yes we're all creative and you can be creative in every context we still might then hijack that for other reasons so for example neoliberalization use of it like we see creativity hacked and used for a different purpose so like to be successful or to produce more widgets right like it's part mm -hmm. of this unconscious system where it's not allowing actually fully the full breadth of our creativity it ends up being um what's the word uh proportioned or over mm -hmm. for some other purpose you know and so like i think it's important to watch out for that and to tap into that raw creativity that I think you were pointing to in, in that it doesn't matter what form it takes, but it's also important to tap into that raw creativity that's already present in us um, and to not let it be limited, not to say that we can't put it to use for certain purposes, but mm -hmm. not be limited to it. So now creativity, creativity in the past often meant artists, like it was like, oh, you're a painter or you're a writer or whatever. And then now I often see it again, attached to business. Like if you look up creativity, it's like, you're going to see business books and it's like, Oh, so creativity is only for business now. Right. Great. And that's like, Oh, that sucks. Because then like the art on your wall there, you know what I mean? That's like, that doesn't serve a functional purpose. Like in the sense of being like, it's going to produce widgets or get an end result. It's there to be appreciated. Like what Ken says, you know, the beautiful, you know, yeah. it's not. So I think it's important um, yeah. to differentiate that. Well, and what I really like about this view that, you know, um, that creativity isn't only coming through your first person, that it's actually participatory, that there yeah. is a universal creativity that we are engaging with. What I actually like about that is that it, it sort of reinvokes the second person relationship with creativity, yeah. which is 
classically been there. I mean, you know, I mean, going back to like Definitely. the muse, you know what I mean? I mean, we would yes. actually deliberately seek out relationships with beauty and with exemplars of beauty. And we would, I mean, and it's not just sort of like, you know, me mm. looking at an object and feeling first person inspiration from that third person object. I mean, there is a deep second person communing with, with that sort of representation of beauty, whatever it might be, that we're able to pursue. And in pursuing that relationship, it actually opens up these doors and windows of creativity within our yeah. own soul, within our own heart, that we yeah. didn't even necessarily know was there. And if anything, it takes a whole lot of pressure um, off of us individually as artists, because it's not all coming from you you are just you know sort of one of many channels yeah. through which beauty and creativity is expressing itself in this world yeah i mean oftentimes it's how artists will express their experience of it that that they're a, a, a medium for the art arising that they're you know they're getting out of the way for the art to arise but it requires a shift but you know i think one of the reasons why there is such a second person relationship in creativity is because there's an, always a turn to the unknown uncertainty mm. like if you there's i think it's a correlation to be honest like if you're not the more you turn towards uncertainty and the unknown the more creativity you'll you'll experience and and be a part of um because that's what that means it, you know something's emerging out of that unknown but we sometimes don't do that because of fear right because we don't know what's going to arise in that unknown and one of the things that could arise is nothing and so we go oh my god what if that's happening and then you know, creative blocks, writer blocks, things like that is just this expectation on uncertainty rather mm -hmm. than being in a relationship to it. But if we change it to a relationship to uncertainty, then there's something positive. It's like, tell me I'm here. I'm here to serve this, this creativity. What do you have to say? And I'm going to patiently sit. I'm going to patiently listen. So that way creativity can arise naturally yeah. rather than like forcing it in, you know, actually I want to share a little thing from Rilke. Um, uh, related to this, uh, and so he, and this letter is to a young poet. Uh, the poet is asking for his help, and uh, from Rilke, and he's asking him, "Hey, am, am I is my poetry any good? You know, tell me your feedback, all this stuff." And uh, Rilke says, "You know, please stop doing that. And, you know, don't don't ask him that way." And he says he encourages him. Um, this most of all, ask yourself in the most silent hour of your night, must I write? Dig into yourself for a deep answer. And if this answer rings out in assent, if you meet the solemn question with a strong, simple, I must, then build your life in accordance with this necessity. Your whole life, even in its humblest and most indifferent hour, must become a sign and witness to this impulse. And there's this now, what's interesting is at first it could be scary. Like, oh, I don't want to ask myself this guy, that question because what if it's like- Sounds like a lot of commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's a commitment or we might be afraid that like, oh, like I feel like I want to write, but if I really truly get naked with myself and to the unknown and uncertain, maybe the answer will be like, nah. Mm -hmm. but, we, but we don't get to the creativity unless we like get that naked with experience and ask that question. And if we do, then the response can be powerful. And the thing is, is like, maybe it's, maybe it's not writing. Maybe I think, oh- my creativity has to be in writing, but it turns out actually it's in painting or actually mm -hmm. it's in science, you know, or whatever it might be. But we have to ask that question deep enough, you know, to, right. to really know where, where our response is. Yeah. No, it's all well said.
Yeah. And, you know, so, and sometimes we're surprised by it. I mean, for me, you know, uh, it was this whole woodworking sort of passion yeah. theme online. All, like I literally watched a YouTube video. Uh, well, let me preface that. I was in a really depressive mindset. I was just in a real, I was in a brutal, like week long, two week long depression. And I found a, a YouTube video of a tool and that tool, for whatever reason, I found so much inspiration for. And I just got deterred. I'm like, that's, that's, that's my future. This what is, did you, this is, why did you watch the video in the first place? Again? I don't know. I, I, I honestly, like I don't know. It just kind of came up, you know, I okay, got cool. into watching like people, uh, uh, rebuilding old tools because okay. I just found it kind of relaxing and uh -huh. meditative in a certain kind uh -huh. of way. And there's a, uh -huh. a nice ASMR kind of response to a lot of sure. those videos. Uh -huh. It's just very relaxing. I'd watch them late cool. at night just to kind of, you know, de-escalate a little and then bit. And this tool video came up. Yeah. And then I saw uh -huh. a video of like what a CNC can do. And I just got so, I, 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 I suddenly felt pregnant with ideas. I'm like, oh my God, I could do so much with this. I could get so much of this crap that just always what was new very for abstract for in my head and kind of get it out and into something I can hold what was yeah what, what what was new for you like so when you saw that there was something like new about it right like maybe you had been aware of those tools before but it sounded like when you saw that something clicked what was the thing that clicked for you that was like different about that tool versus like you saw a hammer and a saw before and you didn't get that experience right so i'm curious for you like what was that what what arose i think it was i think it it felt to me like this sort of uh confluence of a whole bunch of various skills and passions that I had collected so far, so far, mm. and this kind of brought them together. So I was really into um, computers and designing and, you know, things like that. I was really into, you know, playing with wood with my hands and feeling something tactile and really kind of coming into a deeper relationship with, with wood itself and with yeah. trees and with, you know, yeah. with sort of mother nature and, you know, all of that is kind of packed in there where every, every piece of wood, every, grain yeah. that you see is part of a story and you know the story that you see depends on how you're cutting into that wood which is literally the perspective that you're taking on a story and you see the i mean it's, it's this whole yeah thing. this is cool and real quick before i uh, just to something i'm hearing in your story is that creativity again is like is emergent and it's not like hey here's the given amount of things we can be creative with and then what are you going to do with it like collectively things had to emerge like these new tool sets and computer programming and all this stuff came together where finally this machine arose and for you it was like boom yeah like something here it clicked. is yep. like and before like you 10 years ago whatever it was you you couldn't have done that like that tool didn't exist and that wouldn't be your fault right like right. you you were waiting for this to emerge so i just yeah. Sometimes that's really interesting how that happens. Well, and it's, it's going, some yeah. of this too, you know, we, I think we move, move into certain phases of our creativity according to some of the big life conditions that we're dealing with ourselves. So for me, it was buying a home. For some reason, I bought a home, which uh -huh. gave me a garage. I, yeah. I wanted to do some home improvement. So I had a friend who just dropped off like thousands of dollars worth of power tools for me. So that got me into just woodworking that's awesome. generally. Uh -huh. And then I found this machine. I was like, oh my God, I can bring this to a whole other level. And so I, I was just sort of chasing my own rabbit and seeing where, yeah. you know, where it would take me. And, and I arrived at this art form where, you know, again, I, I see it as this integration of like agrarian technology because, you know, yeah. it's woodworking, yeah. industrial technology, because I'm using a router uh -huh. and then uh, informational technology uh -huh. because I'm programming it. I'm basically yeah. programming a robot to make art for me. 
And yeah. so it's, you know, it kind and of- you're, And you're uh, making integral art. So yeah, like you're, you're bringing in like the work you do every day at integral life yeah. into the art. I mean, it's really quite awesome how many things come, has come together in this art form for you. Yeah, well, and, and, and thank you for that. But yeah, it, it, felt, it felt like um, something integrative that I can do that's going to help uh, hold together all these different pieces of me that was feeling yeah. a little bit fractured and fragmented and kind of spread thin. Uh Um, you know, so I got this machine and it's, I I started feeling like, wow, I can use sort of left-brained creativity and right-brained sort of engineering at the Mm -hmm. same time. And that really, I don't know, I feel, I feel such a strong juice in that. So it's just a matter of following, following that passion and, you know. Yeah. And and do you have a sense, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but my sense is that like, when you create these pieces of art, the, the, there's not necessarily some hard end goal. Like you're saying, like, I have to do something. It's that you enjoy the process of doing it, right? right. Like you enjoy navigating it and it's rewarding in and of itself. I think, so that's true for you. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Like if that's not true, like with integral life as editor in chief, you do a lot of creativity, but it does serve something. It's serving a purpose that you have to realize, which is totally valid, but it's a different feel, right? Yeah. Yeah, creating. That's an important point, Ryan, because, you know, to tie it back to what you were just talking about with neoliberalism and sort of the Uh commodification of creativity, I think that's one of the pressures that it sort of puts on artists and even aspiring artists, amateur artists. Like, let me just say, it's okay to create ugly ass art. I've created a ton of ugly ass art out there just because it's fun to create something, right? Now that ugly ass piece of art that I made, I won't do anything. It's not gonna, you know, but it was fun to make the process. And I think we oftentimes participate with this cultural expectation that like, if you're gonna spend your time doing something, you better have something that has explicit value afterwards. Otherwise you're wasting your time. It's, you, yes. you could be making money with that time. You, you know what I mean? This Whereas is, like, no, the act of creating yeah. is the reward. That it's is in, the nourishment. It's insidious uh, quite a bit, you know, and I, I've noticed, I'm, I'm curious about your perspective on this, um, but in TV shows, for example, on one hand, because so many things have been unbundled from cable networks and things like that, and YouTube, for example, we get a lot more variety of content. Like the variety has exponentially increased and we can find so much niche content. And we can find documentary series that are on the weirdest things that would never have made mainstream before. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the same hand, uh, like I feel like we get less powerful depth from the art pound for pound like i don't see shows and movies out that blow me away as much or as often as movies did say 10 or 20 years ago um and part of that for me is like for example when hbo got bought by at&t at&t ceo and the hbo ceo had a a little meeting that was in front of like the, the the company and the hbo ceo was all about HBO's tradition of like high quality content, quality over quantity. And the AT&T CEO was like, we got to crank shit out. Like for him, it was like more is more important than, than quality. And so this is an example for me of like art in the, in contemporary society, like at least in television and, and especially in television, you know, what are we doing with art? And what does that then tell us ourselves about our own creativity? Because it's not just out there. It's like we see what's being done with art in, in the larger society and then we internalize that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an interesting. I actually have a somewhat different take on that. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I've been tracking sort of the decentralization of different mm. artistic mediums. Like let's yeah. look at, for example, music. 
and and you know film or television. Um, I feel differently about music. I think. Say again. I feel different about music. Do you? See, yeah. I, 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 I actually take your perspective more when it comes to music. <laughs> this because, is awesome. <laughs> be, because Napster, yeah. I think, undermined, back in you know, 1999 uh, or so, Napster completely undermined the lower right quadrant financial incentive hmm. for artists to make music. So it's yeah. actually, even though there's fewer middlemen, it's harder for an artist to make a name for themselves, which ironically yeah. makes it easier for you know, corporations to control whatever's hmm. left of this mainstream. Hmm. Um, I think film, film, I'm, you know, someone like Jason Lang might be better to talk about with film because I don't, yeah. I don't track film I'd as closely, but, yep. but when it comes to, um, television, I actually think the decentralization that we've seen over the last 20 years has actually, um, helped television. I mean, I think, well, I agree lucky. about that. I, the I decentralization, think I agree. Well, I think we're lucky that this pandemic is occurring. Mm -hmm. right in the midst of the golden age of television where television show television series because of serial serialization and and producers trusting the audience to know what's going on instead of mm -hmm. having to like hit the reset button every every episode that radically changed transformed i think how we tell stories now we have mm -hmm. this like 10 hour you know sort of um container in which yeah. you tell a story rather than two hours and i think totally. that brings deepening with it yeah absolutely but it's it's just yes. more scan and there's more depth. So I think yeah. there's stuff out there, but it's harder to find. And mm -hmm. I think what we're really feeling is the there, there's less shared reality around any particular. Sh like it used to be, mm. everyone watched last night's episode of Seinfeld, and we all have these common reference right. points. And we come into work the next day, and we all know the same jokes. And there's a solidarity that actually happens with that. Yeah. Now it's like there's a media outlet for every possible perspective and ideology and so forth. So it's like, we don't. I, I agree with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The decentralization, I like, I really think that that is powerful across the board, not just in creativity, but I think that's distributed and decentralized is, is so much better a model to support creativity because in sports uh, supports so much variety. I think the relentless um, pursuit of growth, which is, is mm -hmm. crippling, art the world is happening in art as well and I, I i feel like that's impeding upon the good that is uh that decentralization brings you know mm -hmm. at some point we have to like collectively decide that hey maybe making a buck you know based off of growth isn't what we is the most important thing but of course like art you know if we're not supporting artists for example you make a great point that it's in general harder for artists in in a lot of ways to to make a living, even though, yes, certain people can make a living from their art that couldn't have 30 years ago. What's it like collectively? And Stuart Davis is somebody who we should have on sometime. Absolutely. And uh, he would have a lot to say about this because he has a lot of experience uh, in the music business and in Hollywood around some of these things. So maybe we'll do that sometime. No, that'd be great. And Stuart <clears throat> in particular would be great to talk to because he's someone who yeah. I see just generationally, he, I mean, he, he, his brilliance came to the surface at the worst possible time. His brilliance came to the surface when we were post Napster, when yeah. the value of music was right. just getting rapidly diminished to the point where today music is mostly worthless because yeah. it's, it's not, it's not a collection that we build with our CDs and have something. It's a, it's a streaming station that we're subscribed yeah. to and there's nothing tangible there. Yeah. So I think that we actually identify with music differently. Maybe this is just me as a crusty Gen Xer, mm -hmm. all music garbage since Kurt Cobain killed himself. <laughs> you know, it's like our version of John Lennon or something. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but I, you know, there's something too like 
like, you know, when I think about kids who are growing up these days, God damn, I sound crusty. Um, <laughs> but like who don't have a music collection that they've inherited from their parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just a different game now. And I feel well, like, mm-hmm. I feel like music is getting devalued in a certain way. I mean, yeah. certainly from the perspective of a musician, you make an album, that album's not going to earn you any money. You're going to make your money selling t-shirts and doing tours. And guess you what? Hope. We're in quarantine yeah. land now. So Yeah, I agree. Well, I think all these things are good to point out again, because if if we're talking about inhabiting our creativities as individuals, you know, or even amongst in the private, like say you and I collaborate on something artistic, same deal, like the private creation of art or uh, creating anything, you know, is influenced greatly by what we see out in the world. And like, I, I think it's just great to tease out, you know, our experience of the bigger mainstream media um, oh, totally. forms of, of, of art. Um, and well, yeah, uh, those collective patterns inform how we think about our own art. I mean, that's, that's, you know, these things, our yep. creative expressions don't emerge in a vacuum. They emerge in this four quadrant world yeah and all those quadrants have an influence on how we choose to express our own creativity yes definitely yeah it's interesting you know quoting roca it's like back when roca was writing people in van gogh you mentioned van gogh and they weren't making money the only way you you had a living is if somebody decided to that they liked your art and and and, uh became your patron that's right and uh and some of them didn't even have patrons in their life in their lifetime um and yet they created art so there's something like really naked about that experience but also very painful because it was you know wasn't gonna be very sustainable or could be life-threatening to be be an artist that's why i love that van gogh episode of doctor who so much man i've not seen any doctor who I, I okay. First off, I advise everyone who's watching this right now to go watch some damn Doctor Who. This is a this <laughs> yeah. is a show about a two-hearted pacifist whose only weapon is a sonic screwdriver, and he saves the world time and time. I mean, this is like that's this awesome. Is, this is good stuff. I love it. But they did an episode about Van Gogh, and it was uh you know they go back and they hang out with Van Gogh, and they bring Van Gogh. I'm going to give spoilers here, but they bring Van Gogh to the future and see how his art has actually been received after he died, and. It's this big tearful uh, moment, and the audience uh, cries, and yeah, it's very cool. moving, and all that. But it's, I have to um, add it to it's, my list. It's crazy to think that like some of the most talented artists in history received absolutely no recognition for their work, absolutely I, none at all. And I think what that points to is like it's not to say that like oh it was better back then because who wants to go back then and and like live in that era, you know? Uh, but one of the things that happened there, kind of like we're experiencing in a very mini form of this quarantine, is like how just stripped down things get. And if all you can do is like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to create something because I don't have anything else to do. And that seems really interesting. There's something pure about that. You know, Van Gogh painted, you just painted because that's, he asked himself that question that Rocco yep. was asking, you know? Yep. And so how can we tap into that right now today? Because even though we're not living in that time period, it doesn't mean that we can't access that raw, you know, creativity that, has no other purpose than to, to express itself. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's purpose is purpose. I mean, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah and well, and, and, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to. No, just in a time where we're asked so often, why, why are you doing that? What's for it? What's it going to be? What are you going to do? You know, and yeah. like we're asked that question a ton, which is totally fine. Yeah. You know, for example, you're now offering up your art for sale and for commission. And that's beautiful because it supports you doing that more. And so, yeah, you're asking those questions, but first and foremost, you love doing it. That's you right. know what I mean? So right. I think that's important. Well, you know, the other thing we should turn to, because this is a great yeah. sort of um, conversation about how creativity is uh, helped and hindered by the lower right quadrant. 
there's actually some stuff in the lower left quadrant I think would be useful because it's, it's some stuff that, that drives me crazy. Um, mm, yeah. And it might simply be just my own proclivities and sen- sensibilities and uh-huh. just kind of piss poor aesthetics, but like laid out. I, I oftentimes say when it comes to art, I'm an easy lay, right? <laughs> what I mean by that is it's hard for me to not like or not enjoy an artistic experience. Mm. Like I think most movies, even bad movies are worth watching. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe I'll feel differently when I'm 70 years old, yeah. but right now, 40 years old, like I get something out of most things I watch. And I feel like sometimes anyway, I feel like we have so we have become so immersed in entertainment mm. culture that mm. it brings with it this sense of entitlement, this this like entertain me kind of smugness. Yeah. And when an artist creates something that for whatever reason doesn't speak to us it's like we take it fucking personally. I mean, to the point where like yeah. people send death threats to video game developers because they're bringing more women into their games or, you know what I mean? Oh, Shit. Like, or yeah. like, yeah. or sending, you know, threats to actors in Star Wars just because yeah. you didn't like Star Wars. So we have this sense of yeah. entitlement that makes us hyper critical of everything that we consume. And it just, it seems bizarre to me because it's like, what did you do? First off, what did you do to earn that entitlement in the first place? Like, right? Yeah. Like you, you get to just bask in the products of the 20th and 21st century as your like cultural inheritance. And I think about my daughter who's seven years old and how much she's inheriting mm-hmm. compared to, you know, yeah. how much I inherit. Like the fact that like, Nirvana is to her generation as the Beatles were to my, you know, in terms of proximity, yeah. you know, it's just, she's in, in, inheriting so many more strata of cultural artifacts. It's amazing uh, to think about. Yeah. And, and yet we're so awash in it that we get, we get like personally offended when a piece of art doesn't. This is a good, that's a good, this is a great point. I agree with you too. Um, in terms of lower left stuff and, a few things I think of why this happens is one, if we're living in a transactional economy, you know, capitalism, neoliberalism, things like that. Well, then that's how we start relating to art, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, just, it's like, well, yeah, there's a money exchange. And so then becomes expectations. You owe me this and I, you, I owe you that blah, 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 blah. And then it, it, you know, infects the, mm-hmm. the, the relationship with us in, in, in art. Um, of course there is some problem. I don't know. I don't have any examples offhand, but you know, the idea of collectively formed art where there's more participation in the audience and the art form that is, I think very valid. That's not a transactional mm-hmm. art form, but we have a, a lot more of the transactional experience, but there could be collective art. You know, I guess like one of the, the old classic examples is improv comedy. That's been around for a long time where you go part of the improv comedy and you get the audience involved. That's different. That's not what mm-hmm. I'm talking about here. That's welcome. But then the other thing is the whole algorithm uh, curated algorithms uh, that present our content to us and our art form to us, which is on one hand, very cool, right? Like I like on Spotify that they have that little list of like, here's art you might like. And I definitely find new art that's that I enjoy. But then that is doing something. It's revealing something and concealing something. It's going to be like, you'll never see this other art here over here because you haven't played it or because one time you disliked one art, uh, one example of that. And that comes at a cost. And yeah. I think, like you said, like even bad movies are worth watching. I think we all should watch and listen and, in, and take in art that we really dislike and try to understand it. And, try to, and, and through that process, we can understand 
is it that I just don't like that particular form of art because of my sensibilities or is it like a bad example, you know, right. like right. A, a, not, a artist didn't really put in the time to craft it, but we will never know. So an example for me is like, I didn't grow up really with country music. I grew up more with rock and roll. Um, and I just, to this day, I don't really listen to country, but I shifted in music school to where I would start opening up and considering other music, even if I hadn't, I normally wouldn't have. And one day I heard Sturgill Simpson at a coffee shop in Asheville and I heard the lyrics and everything. I was like, what the hell is this? And I, now I love that album, uh, Modern, Modern Sounds. What is it? Modern, Modern Sounds for music. Yeah. Mm. And it, it's a country music album, but it is like a totally different level album. It's so awesome. He won the Grammy for country music, but the country music awards won't let him in. He's not even invited. And he won the a Grammy award for wow. best album for country. So you can tell like there's a cultural division there, but yeah, like I, I now feel like I have the ability to listen to music, for example. And even if I don't like it, I can, I can tune in and say, wow, that musician is amazing. Yeah. And I don't like it. Totally. I, yeah. It's not my thing. I don't want to eat it, you know, but I'm like, they're amazing. My parents are having a huge uh, grateful dead phase right now. And I just, I, I love that my parents awesome. are still going through phases, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, kind of, especially because my dad used to make fun of me for going through phases when I was a uh -huh. kid. Uh -huh. So now I get to like, ha ha. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Deadhead and you don't see anything weird about that. Um, that's but it, that's a perfect example. Like I've never been into the Grateful Dead. I can certainly appreciate them when they're on, yeah. but that's not my sound. Right. And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, I think when we're in our twenties and it starts to soften in our thirties, we tend to we tend to define our tastes in terms of like negative space. Like what's yeah. more important than what we like is what we don't like, you know? Yeah. And we have all sorts of sort of like, mm. you know, well, here's what I really don't like. And we kind of lead yeah. with that. Yeah. My experience is like, by the time you hit 40, you don't really have time for that shit anymore. You just kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Taylor Swift, whatever you're, you've got an audience, you make that audience happy and that's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're there for that audience. And, and so forth. And maybe it's just because, you know, I grew up watching mystery science theater that mm -hmm. I, I oh, yeah. really, you know, I, I, I know how to value like old bad movies. Totally. And like, that was a great show. And I can see the creativity we can bring to that in order to enhance the experience and make it and make it something enjoyable. Yeah. And I think the reason, again, if we want to bring it back to like a personal level, the reason that we, I think it's important to consider everything we're, we're talking about here is that how we relate to art out there is how we will relate to our own art, period. 100%. That'll show up. So like, and so it's worth it like to, to watch TV shows every once in a while that you might not be into, to listen to music that you're not into because you'll be willing to listen to some part of you that maybe you're too quick to edit out, even though there might be something beautiful or powerful in there. Yeah. So it's not just about a commentary about society here, but... You know what helps me oftentimes too when I watch a, a really bad movie is um, mm. oftentimes I'll go to IMDb and I'll just start researching. Like I want to know what this director did before yeah. and after this, what these actors did before. Because I, I want to humanize this experience. I want to be like, yes. okay, this director, this is the one movie he made. And uh -huh. it's just such a terrible movie, you know, and yeah. like, like Manos Hands of Fate from Mystery Science Theater. Like, like uh -huh. someone's entire like life's creativity built, you know, built up to making that movie and that yeah. movie came out how it came out yeah. and it's fascinating when you actually start digging into the story of everything it took just to make that piece of shit movie happen right <laughs> yeah. how much creativity it took to
to make something so terrible I that it can be, you know. You're bringing up another great point about on the effort side. Like it, it goes both ways. Like if we get in tune to how much effort a creation might take, we might have more patience with ourselves and vice versa, right? You know, especially with movies, it's like, if we had talked to a friend and, and, and we hear them say, I've spent months working on crafting this, even if we didn't like it, we'd still have an appreciation for that process. We'd be interested in being like, what was it like for you? You know, there would be something interesting. We wouldn't just be like, next, right. you know, like we wouldn't be so callous uh, for that. And I'm not, and I get, I'm not uh, like soft in the sense of being like not dishing out like harsh criticisms and things like that for sure. It's okay to be like, wow, that's a piece of shit movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have an appreciation of like how much it takes to do some things like that. It's no small effort. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's good to have, it's good to have artistic standards. It's yeah. not good to take those standards too seriously because if standards anything else, and- not only are you going to diminish your enjoyment of these things, which is, you know, I mean, especially if you're integral, I think this gives you a whole tool set to be able to uplift everything rather That's than sort of, you know, push standards and service. Everything. Yeah. Like exactly. if, if a standards inspires me to go deeper, to let go more, to show up more, then that's good. If it's a standard of being like, mm, get it out of here. It's like, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't serve anything. I learned that when, uh, back when I was a, a DJ, cause that was one of my first big sort of artistic hobbies that, you know, I've got a bunch of mixes that people can listen to. Yeah. That's another art form you're great at. Yeah. That was, that was, you know, something I was into for years and just kind of fell off after my daughter was born. And now it's uh-huh. like, I need so much, I need to upgrade my technology. And I like uh-huh. have completely just fallen out of the musical kind of, you know, mainstream yeah. that I don't know what's good anymore. But, uh, but yeah. one of the things I really, you know, when I first became a DJ, I, I had that sort of, you know, well, I'm only going to play integral music. And, you know, as I often say, I bought those three albums that exist and, you know, found that my selections were kind of limited because there's just yeah. not a lot of integral art being made right now. Yeah. So then I said, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm not going to play integral music. I'm going to play music integrally. And that was just, that completely reframed yeah, everything where it's like, I can now leverage the beauty in any artifact and it doesn't mm. matter what that beauty i can leverage ugliness intentionally i can, you know what i mean it gives you this this full palette of artistic yeah. choices that you didn't have before when you were sort of poo-pooing yes or lower than creations yeah i agree i think of that a lot with um a certain way with food where there are certain foods that i might not eat in day-to-day life but when a chef like at a really really nice restaurant gets their hands on it it completely transforms it in a way that i would never have thought of like i would have, i would have already poo-pooed out a particular food because i'm like i tasted it i don't really like it but then when the right combination of foods and taste juxtaposed against each other come together it's a whole new experience and same deal whether it's a music or painting or hand art you know like we got to stay open. If yeah. we stay open to something, it could come together in a way that we hadn't thought of. So that's a really, you just brought up something really interesting because um, it's interesting how we relate differently, each of us individually, how we relate with different aesthetic experiences. Mm-hmm. Like for you, you just said all that about food. That yeah. is a perspective I am not capable of with food. I do mm-hmm. not have whatever that particular aesthetic line of development is when it comes to the culinary arts. I don't have it. I've, I'm a picky eater. I always have been. I annoy myself. You know how hard it is going <laughs> through life not liking cheese? It's not that I can't eat cheese. It's yeah. just that I don't fucking like it. Yeah. Well, I'll it's say, hard. 
uh, like from, from childhood up, up to now, like I have been a very picky eater in my life before, you know, so I've come from that thing. It's taken a while. Um, but also again, it has to be other, like a really good chef. And like, this means a lot of times paying money for like a, a lot of money for a meal and in Boulder, there's a few places there, uh, black cat, that place. Oh my gosh. That's like mm-hmm. a very special occasion, but that kind of place I'm almost open being like, you can bring out whatever you want, which is, I never say that. Like if it's a normal restaurant, I'm like, no, like, why are you putting this shit in here? Like, just give me my comfort food, like normal comfort food. Don't make it fancy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I hope those culinary artists are able to survive this quarantine because that yeah, is, uh, it's going to be cold. It doesn't lot. do much for me. You know, I'll, I'll take my bowl of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Yeah. I mix in a little some... ground beef and a little uh, corn with a little taco seasoning. Heck I call, yeah, it, I man. call it Corey's goulash. It's like, I like, I like that goulash. That's like that Midwest kid in me is like, that sounds good. Yeah. But yeah, for you know, I had, I had food poisoning when I was six months old. Okay, went to the oh, hospital and all that. So I think that, that gave me some like pre-verbal. For sure. You know, and I just, that, that my childhood was a little out of control. So I think that was how I exerted control. Like, I can't control what's happening around me, but I can control what goes into my body, damn it. So I became very stubborn. Makes and sense, now man. that's just there. And I had to reach a point where I was like, you know, I could do a lot of work to try to move that line up a little bit. I don't know if it'll be fruitful or I can just focus on. The only, I think the only way to do that is honestly being able to go to restaurants where you can go on a different journey, but it costs money. So it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. harder than opening up musically because musically I just have to open Spotify and then we can open our palette pretty easily. (laughs) But yeah. Do we want to share that clip of uh, Ken? Well, before we do, I was thinking because we're kind of making a nice tour through the quadrant. I figured what we could do because what Ken is doing is giving a really, really beautiful sort of presentation on creativity from the upper left quadrant. I was thinking before there, we actually kind of touch in with the upper right. Sure. um, Which, you know, I got a a little something for that too. Good. Awesome. Um, Because I want to know what you have to say there. But one point I'll bring in here that came out of my discussion with Ken last Saturday. We did one of Mm. those three and a half hour big calls. We were talking about um, Corona, but really the context was here's a four quadrant approach to healthcare and uh, to healthy living. And to what I said, here's a course in anti-fragility really is what it came down to. Mm. And um, one of the points he he brought up was interesting, which was um, the importance of aesthetics and beauty in the actual upper right quadrant healing process Hmm. and you know this is all kind of common sense to us i think i think it's common sense that if you have a hospital with a window overlooking a beautiful scenery you're gonna do better in your recovery you you just are than if you're sort of in one of those brutalist hospitals with no windows and looks more like a prison uh Mm -hmm. we just know that that aesthetics the aesthetic experience is a natural well, it's a natural stress reliever, if anything else. Yeah. It's reducing the levels of cortisol in your yeah. body, which when you're sitting in a hospital bed, you're wondering about your own health and your own mortality. You're wondering about um, you know, the financial situation, that, especially here in America, that this is putting, am I going to go bankrupt because of this? Yeah. I mean, all of these stresses compound to themselves, and yet they can all drop away in an instant through a transcendent aesthetic experience you look at something beautiful and even just for a moment there's a gap your body mind drops just for a moment like just for a a microsecond but you can feel the nourishment that it brings to you just by just by letting go i mean it's what we've talked about classically with anti-fragility that all of these challenges make us stronger 
if we can take a break to recover in order yeah. to develop that strength. Otherwise, if it keeps pressing down, keeps pressing down, keeps pressing down, we don't have the opportunity to cultivate strength and it makes us weaker. We lose mm -hmm. our energy because of it. So simply art, I think, gives us these, these, these kind of moments of punctuation where we can just open up for a moment. We can wake up for a moment, even if it's just a microsecond, and then yeah. allow sort of something to relax and something new yeah. to, to start to emerge within us. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that points to the importance of um, physical art, you know, a tangible art that we can have in our house. And that can be more difficult these days, you know, to depending on what, you know, it might cost. But I think it's what's interesting is like, okay, say with music, if you happen to come upon a live band playing at somewhere in Boulder or, or on, on, side of a street we can appreciate it, our busker if we heard them on spotify we might be like who is this i don't, I don't want to listen to this mm -hmm. but there's something about the live experience where it's like wow it's neat to be in the presence of live music to feel the vibrations and we all so many of us really appreciate that experience like if we're having dinner and there's a little nice band it's awesome same thing with physical art it doesn't have to be band go you know on your wall um, but it still can be really powerful. So for me, like I have that piece you made over here and I love having it. It transforms my experience. You know, I have a piece of Stuart's that, uh, uh Alyssa had framed for me that, uh, I'm going to be hanging up. It's large. Oh. Like, I just can't wait to be surrounded by the art of my friends. Yeah. And that's a way to do what you're saying with the changing the aesthetic experience. What does that do in our life? Mm. Not just when we're sick, but in general to be surrounded by that, you know? Yeah. So hundred percent, you know, it's funny, Ryan, because, when this whole quarantine started, um, I was like, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to make any more art sales right now because people are going to be tightening their wallets and, mm -hmm. you know, that just sort of comes with it. Okay, cool. I was yeah. able to do what I did. And then, you know, maybe after the quarantine, I can start selling some pieces or whatever. Mm -hmm. The exact opposite happened, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Quarantine happened. I started getting, you know, like the orders started ticking up. And my mm. sense was this was, you know, probably something that people are using to help cope with this. I mean, yeah. for whatever reason that, you know, where, where is it? That, that right yeah. there yeah. symbolizes something deeply meaningful and nourishing to us. And I think that people see that as an, like, if I can put that in my home, it helps give me sort of this larger context for why we're going through all this pain, maybe what's it's happening, so, where we're going. so important. So it feels like it was sort of resonating on that level, which, may, as, which for me as an artist is so incredibly gratifying that like not only you know do people buy these things because they think they're pretty or whatever but but like this is creating meaning for you like holy yeah. shit, how how honored am i to be able to participate with your meaning making in whatever yeah. small degree yeah. possible it's humbling it's it's yeah, truly humbling. It's really beautiful that's awesome yeah you know it's a perfect time to support your your friends who are making art and then make art yourself and, and especially if you can go through to sit with yourself creatively, like we've been talking about where you're not editing out and, and uh, shutting down your creativity, you're opening up to it and allowing it to, to be, you know, then that can be put on your walls. Like I've done photography and I have uh, one of my photos up here. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if it's like won some award or not an award. I'm like, I like it. I'm like, I like that photo and I get to have it on my wall. Totally. And then I have your art here and then it's Stuart's art. It's like, you can do that. And even I got into painting for a while. Um, and I, I say I, I suck at it. That would be my uh, assessment of myself, but I don't care. You know, I didn't, and I had a few pieces I really liked and I had them on my wall and I don't know what happened to them. But if I were to bust out an easel, 
I'd paint some abstract art and I'd be totally okay, like putting it on the wall and being like, yeah, that's nice. I took some time. I created something, expressed myself and there it is. Yeah. It's you not a museum. See, you should see my drawing skills, man. Like you can tell they just stopped developing in seventh grade. Oh, mine. Uh, we have a competition of who's, who's uh, have more arrested development in the drawing category. <laughs> mine might be kindergarten level. Wow. <laughs> no, I don't. That's not true. I have like by default, it's kindergarten level. But then somehow, like maybe autistically, I can access, like if I'm copying something, like looking at it, what do you call that method of like recreating another piece of art by mm -hmm. just drawing it? Sometimes I can do something okay, but no, it's horrible. <laughs> well, and this is, this is another aspect of the upper right that we should pay attention to is that, you know, there are these skill sets yeah. that, that we have and these, ta these talents that can express themselves in all these various behavioral ways. And some of us are good at some of them and not so good at others. But I think the there's so many forms. Very, very, very few people are born with these things like fully developed. I mean, you yeah. know, it can drive you crazy when you look at like an Alex Gray book and you see like when he was five years old, he was drawing like <laughs> three dimensional perfect. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of, some people really are just born with this talent and you don't know, sure. you're like, where does this come from? And yeah. you, you kind That's, of go metaphysical rare, quick. Know. But I think one of the most rewarding things, like for me over the last six months of working with this machine, one of the most rewarding things is actually feeling yourself in the upper right quadrant leveling up where you are just bashing your head against the problem. You go to sleep for a night that, you, I don't know, you have a dream or something and it all clicks into place. And the next morning, you know exactly what to do and you feel your skills improving. And yeah. that, that brings with it this boost in self-esteem, this boost in sort of the sense of accomplishment and it keeps you actually moving forward. Yeah. And it's this constant reminder, this feedback, this positive feedback loop that says, for all the effort I put out, something else is coming back in and that yeah. I am actually continuing to develop myself. And it's, it's, it, I mean, it's like playing an RPG. It feels like you're cashing in experience points, <laughs> right? Totally. New abilities out of yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's, it's yeah, totally. And, um, you know, kind of like you discovering, um, the CNC machine that just came into existence or that you didn't know about until now or to recently, um, similarly, like looking at different art forms, it's like, yeah, drawing is tough for me and I get more frustrated with it on top of that. But there's so many different ways to express ourselves that it's like feeling out, you know, the different forms and finding the one that resonates with us the most. And, you know, another example for me was like with poetry, um, I didn't start writing until like, I don't know, 2009. And it was because I hadn't come across forms of poetry that's, that I felt like I could write as well. Like I was like, oh, you know, like uh, with uh, Daniel Ladinsky's uh, Hafez inspired poetry. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh, I, that feels That's like- what this can be. Yeah, and then also with Roka a little bit, I was like, okay. But like, if I heard the poetry that's uh, like slam poetry, I'm like, that's not me. You mm -hmm. know, it'd be like if I only had heard country music and never heard rock and roll, I would have never picked up the drums probably. Right. You know, so it's like, we might have to stay open a little bit and then all of a sudden we find a particular manifest form that feels like we can drive all our energy into. Um, the other thing, I wanna recommend this book too that people might already know about, it's been out for a while, but um, it's called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. I love it, it's one of my favorite. And you probably have seen charts based off of this, a little graphic, uh, infographics, but it goes through so many different creative people, whether they're painters or scientists or writers, and it talks about what their daily life looked like. Mm. And did they, were they night owls or were they morning uh, uh, 
person's early birds. Um, what Often they night owls, right? No, actually, this whole spanned. They they spanned really? like some people got up at like three in the morning. Like they woke up at like three and then some people didn't go to bed until three in the morning. Hmm. And actually there's infographics for this, especially where it maps out all the people based off of a clock. So you can see like where the artists are mapped in terms of what time they get up. And the reason why I bring that up is because by reading through all of these uh, stories of these people and their daily rituals, it just painted this really diverse picture of what creativity and art could look like. And I think that can be really inspiring because if we have a limited idea of like, well, art has to look like this. I have to create it this time with this kind of environment through this kind of medium. Oh my gosh, we're limiting ourselves. But through this book, you will see just how crazy different people are in terms of how they approach their creativity. And you might find one that resonates with you. Like, oh, that person went about their creativity that way. Well, I'll do that. Like I know my, oh, another book here related to that creators on creating. Mm. They talk about their creative process, but I highly recommend the daily rituals book. But basically like Maya Angelou would always go to a hotel and she had money to obviously do this. She would spend every day at like some cheap motel, I think, or uh, and, and spend like four hours writing. Some people would have like alcohol in the morning. They would have like a little sherry and then other people were like, they don't ever drink and they, they don't eat a meal until five o'clock in the, in the evening. It's like people are all over the place in terms of the rituals. Or so. Stephen King just blowing rails of cocaine off of his typewriter. <laughs> We all have our own creative I, I, I wish, I wish like, that that would be like he's hitting the keys hard enough that the cocaine is flying up into his <laughs> <laughs> Like a Muppet. <laughs> like animal at a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Check that. I, I have actually have Stephen King's uh, book on writing there that's really um, highly recommended, but I haven't got to read through it. Mm. He is an amazing writer. Cocaine and all. He's, he's, uh, he's a freaking brilliant writer. <laughs> that's probably how he got those books done, huh? Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, should we should we make our way over to the upper left? Yeah, let's do it. And so, yeah, we show... got this. You know, we got this beautiful clip of Ken. Um, just as a little setup, again, it was excerpted from a fuller presentation that I absolutely encourage all of you guys to go check out. Ca- what's it called? Cosmic creativity: How to Manifest a Universe. Um, beautiful, beautiful presentation. And in this clip here, uh, Ken is basically talking about. Um, the intersection that exists between spirituality, evolution, and our own creative impulse. Um, so awesome. let me get this shared. This is a very important point coming from G. Spencer Brown, Laws of Form. We touched on this briefly before, but I'll go back over a few more points. In that book, he says, in effect, in order to discover something, It is not necessary to do anything, but simply bear in mind that which it is one needs to know. The point, and this is remarkably important, is that if it is possible to frame a question, then the answer exists somewhere in the universe or you couldn't form the question in the first place. So we already ran through all the steps of the creative process, and one of them was form a picture, image, or question in your mind of that which it is you need to know, and then simply bear that in mind. So that's holding a question. Simply form the question and hold it in mind. 
letting it spontaneously come to mind over and over. As we said, the answer is there. You wouldn't be able to think the question in the first place. The idea is that you are right on the edge of evolution itself, and there arises something you need to know. How to design a building, write a song, create a play, make a terrific dinner, perform a novel surgical procedure. This action or knowledge exists, or is about to exist, or you couldn't desire it in the first place. The stomach would not hunger if food did not exist. And as your creative desire is the very first glimmer of the creative emergence of this novel item, like all creativity, it is inherent in each moment's contribution to transcend, the transcend part of transcend and include, and ultimately from pure spirit itself. What you're doing when you bear in mind is simply learning to transfer creativity from your infinite self to your finite self. If evolution is primed to deliver this creative emergence, if your own true self or pure spirit is ready to emerge in all four quadrants, bearing it in mind will help create that channel in which and through which the creative novelty can emerge and enter the ongoing stream of evolution. And so once again, your God self, your true self, your pure emptiness, your ever-present I amness, your infinite spirit has delivered a creative act. And the creative advance into novelty once again brings new forms of spirit into this manifest world. Bearing in mind is simply knocking on God's door where your own true and infinite self can respond. This is the tightly interwoven nature of all four quadrants throughout the universe. Pose a question in the upper left and a response will form coming from the lower right, upper right, lower left, or upper left itself. The universe is that tightly woven together, just like Endra's net, a chandelier where each jewel is a reflection of all the others, grounded in spirit itself. So that's bearing in mind. Question. How do you work with moods and obstacles riding? Basically, through my meditation practice, I've been fortunate enough to build up a fair amount of equanimity, a steady, constant mirror mind of awareness, so that moods and obstacles are relatively rare. I've never really had writer's block. I've prayed for it on several occasions, give myself a break, but no. Another factor for this equanimity is simply strong intent. I very much wish to communicate these ideas. I truly think they're important. And that acts as ballast in my awareness. But any time that moods or obstacles do arise, I rest in pure awareness, rest in the true witness, the observing self, and simply witness these moods, 
turning them from subject into object. That breaks their hold and allows me to move on. Mr. Ken Wilber, I played next yeah, to such a great in clip. it at the end there, but um, man, I love that clip. Just as he's talking, you know, I'm sort of in my imaginal space, I'm just sort of visualizing spatially as he's talking. And um, I just, I love this image of creativity as this nexus point at the very center of all four quadrants where sort of this bottom up evolutionary creativity and this top down involutionary creativity meet. Hmm. And we're just standing there in the confluence, hmm. right? And allowing whatever to come through us, whatever can come through us to come through us. Um, and I just, I, I, I so enjoy um, how he described that. And it's one of the reasons why for me, um, you know, my most, um, the deepest spiritual states that I can experience, that I have experienced, haven't come out of meditation. Mm-hmm. They've come out of writing. Mm-hmm. There's something about trying to make this ineffable subject into an object through poetry and through prose and so forth that brings me deeper into that mystery and deeper into, you know, really my own incarnation and my own ability to inhabit that incarnation. Mm. Um, it's, it's through that act of writing. And that's one of the reasons why um, I think where the block comes from in a lot of ways that Ken somehow doesn't experience asshole um, is, <laughs> is th- it's an intense state to get in. I mean, I kind of, I can feel sort of myself getting fried when yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to pull that through, um, yeah. it can feel painful. Whereas opposed to like, you know, I play good, writing is probably one of my, one of my, you know, um, more developed artistic expressions. Uh, I've been playing guitar for, I don't know, 30 years. I'm really terrible at it, but I get, you know, so much pleasure out of it. Maybe because it's not, the intensity isn't quite the same where I can just kind of <clears throat> relax into it a little bit more. Whereas writing feels very, simultaneously relaxed and ultra focused and yeah well yeah i love that clip i'm wondering if you can if you'd be open to posting that as like just that bit in in integral life's youtube channel i don't know if that's like i know no i know the the whole full thing but like that one is so good so many good lines in there but um i think it's interesting like talking about the blocks my I, i my theory i mean based on my experience too is that if we're creating just to create right and there's nothing there's no other expectations put on it like oh if you are if you're a novelist and the and the publisher says you have another book due that's different like novelists in that situation can have writer's block because it's like well i got to come up with an idea right and it's got to come out but if there's no pressure for that you know there there either is writing that's coming through or it's not that's not a block that's just going with the flow of, of life now i think like if you find the right medium and you're having a relationship to creativity like this, I don't know that blocks actually would arise. Like, so for me with writing, um, I don't tend to have writer's block either. I don't, I'm trying to think if like I ever have an experience where I felt like writer's block in a con, you know, except for like writing a paper for a university or something like that. But it's usually for me, I can just write. I love writing and I like, I, I just vomit writing you know, and, uh, well then there's two but, assholes in this conversation. No, but like, let me ask you, Corey, <laughs> do you feel blocked with the, your woodworking? Have you had that experience yet? Honestly? Um, I mean, let me like, think about that. Uh, I, I, I have felt, um, I have, I, there have been times when I feel like, okay, I've been making the same thing a lot. I want to make something new. I don't quite know what that is yet, but did you Whereas feel sometimes it just kind of fine. arrives. 
But the, um, but I, would you describe it as a block though? No, like, I wouldn't ooh. quite describe it as a block. That's what I'm saying. Particularly because I'm not, yeah. I'm not leaving myself in a first person island. Like a lot of my best ideas yes. for my woodworking have come from what do I want to make for this person? Sure. You know what I mean? So there's that second person again. It comes, That's part of your art. You, you and me and Keith were talking about this in our, in our last show, uh, Inhabit Your Quarantine, where it's about like having the capacity just to be able to recognize, okay, my, my first person alone isn't cutting this anymore. I have to, comp, I have to supplement this with a second person to sure. rub against or, yeah. or what have you. But I think that manifests naturally. So when you talk about that, that's, that doesn't sound to me anything like a block. That sounds like part of an organic process that's going to ebb and flow and expand and contract. It's not a problem, you know? And like, like, for example, for me with poetry, I've gone through times where I'm writing a lot of poetry and then times where I'm not. And that's okay mm -hmm. because I'm like, I don't need to write it. There's no expectation that I do, but I follow it. Um, and there's certain mediums like writing in general where like I can always just uncork that and write. Um, uh, but other mediums that I'm... I might get more frustrated with like a drawing or a painting. I might get frustrated with that, but that's a different deal. Yeah. Um, so I think like there's a certain way of like practicing in the way that Ken is talking about in uh, relating to creativity and some of the ways we've been talking about where I think that then blocks just dissolve. It's not that like, we're always like, you know, right. cranking something out, but that's because we have to have, we have day and night, you know what I mean? We, these, these are natural cycles of creativity. So, um, and then if we remove expectations, like, oh, not only do I have to have, make this art, but I have to have make art that somebody else is going to really like, or that somebody's going to pay me for. That's not what you're thinking. And it's no surprise to me that with your woodworking art, Corey, people are paying you for it because you didn't, you created it from that more pure space, mm. right? That's your relationship to it. And so, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Saying, and it, no, they're all very, very valuable perspectives. And it's, it's interesting to track too, I think, because um, I think when we talk about blocks, yeah, we often think about it as you know what I described before as sort of a blank page block. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's other kinds of blocks too. So one of the blocks that I most frequently run into, uh, and I can definitely for my guitar playing, and like I said earlier, when, whenever I whenever I take a look at some of the creative expressions that are sort of a little less refined for me, I can see this problem that much more apparently, which is um, part of the block comes from not being able to just like you know, it's not that I can't do anything right now. It's yeah. that I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Sure. I have fallen into these patterns of expression that I can't quite seem to break out of. And I know that when I'm yeah. in that pattern, I can feel that I'm in a pattern and I don't know where to go. For some reason, I'm having a hard time finding that opportunity for creativity in the moment to break that pattern yep. and start a new one. And yep. then that I think starts to resonate and you lose motivation. And that's, I think that's why for me, like my, my woodworking, the, the cart and the horse are in the right relationship because yeah. I'm leading with something that I want to make and then other people are buying it as opposed to like my writing for integral life. It's like, oh damn, I got to produce something for an audience every week. And so yes. that starts very to, different. you know what I mean? Then those patterns get a little bit more opaque. Yeah, absolutely. It's very different. Well, I think like, you know, in that Kin's video, like there's practices that can be pointed to there. So one is that practice of equanimity mm -hmm. so that he mentioned and he described it just perfectly um but sitting with what is that's another way of describing that but that mirror mind he's talking about where like can we relate to reality as it is do we have that capacity so cultivating that is something i found incredibly useful that i can sit and and witness different experiences so like oh there's frustration oh there's 
wanting this to be different than it is like a block, you know, there's mm-hmm. you, that's usually what's involved, I think. But the more you can do that, then the more you're going to be able to actually not be uh, captured by those things or not get attached to them. You can let them flow more or even turn it into the art. You for right? right. Like there's, there's, that's the thing. It's like, well, how, what does block look like? Make express blockage. Right. Why is that excluded from what is creative, you know? Um, then the inquiry, he also described really well. So like the practice of inquiry, which is going to be more effective on the, on the foundation of equanimity. And equanimity, sometimes I describe as listening, you know, metaphorically. Like if we can just radically listen to what's arising uh, or radically see what's arising. But then inside of that, to ask a question. And like you said, all you have to do is just ask the question and then sit in that openness. Yeah. And attentively with presence and, and listen and experience what arises and ask the question again, ask the question again, and just let it be. Um, I think also to recommending embodiment practices relative to this, I actually led a workshop here in Asheville related to creativity. If we feel blockages or feel st- stuck, you know, in the inhabiting practice that we've talked about before in the show, and we've, there's a, I think I let, I don't know what, I can't remember what I led. It's on a YouTube clip here for embodiment practice. I don't know if it's this one that I led, the typical mm-hmm. inhabiting, but you all have it on your interval life channel. Um, but simply inhabiting the body and then paying attention to where we feel a block. Where do we feel something crunked up? Is it in our gut? Do we feel that it's knotted and tight or opaque or diffuse? And then to sit with that experience in our body, to get curious about that, to curious curiosity and creativity go hand in hand right Mm -hmm. so if all of a sudden i'm feeling that my body i'm opening up to it and saying okay what is this about what is this part of my body want to tell me that's another way that we can work you know kind of bringing in the upper right quadrant to help us open up um and have those creative blocks move through you know and and get fluid that's beautiful that's fantastic you know and i think another thing that helps too is um I'm big on visual metaphors. I really like, they, they help me for some reason. Yeah. Um, and one of the metaphors in terms of, of, you know, whenever you run into your own patterns, to me, it's kind of like, you know, living here in Colorado, it's really great because I get to look out my window. Well, not this window, but a window and see the mountains every day. Yeah. And in a certain sense, they're the same mountains every day. They don't, the mountains don't change, which is actually kind of um, nice, you know, because mm. it's like, no matter what you're feeling, we've yeah. talked about this before, yeah. the mountains don't care and the mountains yeah. will endure all of this and they're going to be unchanged. You know, they don't care about Trump. Um, But there's, there's, you know, as solid and as sort of fixed and permanent as those mountains appear to be, um, just like our own patterns can appear to be fixed and determined in a certain kind of way. All you have to do is notice that they look, those mountains look completely different at every hour of the day, depending on how the sun is hitting Mm. them, how many clouds are in the sky. I mean, Mm. the season, they look different every single day and that's your opportunity to extract creative beauty from Mm. something that appears to be fixed in place yeah Um, because you know so in other words some of these things are creative blocks or challenges or you know whatever others are just like these are just the natural features of your interiors yeah and it kind of comes down to like just looking at those landmarks from different points of view can totally. give you all the creativity you need to, 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 to discover something new within yeah. yourself. Yeah, beautiful. Yep. Agreed, my friend. Do we have, do we want to ask if anybody had any questions or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, let's see. Marshall, Lawana, Joran, Jack, Gellert, and Carolyn. Let us know if you have questions. Um, hit the raise my hand button if you want us to turn on your camera. 
type into something into the Q&A or chat. Uh, in the meantime, let's see uh, what is on. I'll read a couple comments from uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, hi, if I'm writing a book that incorporates integral theory, is there someone at IL I can discuss this with? Um, shit, I guess that's me. Uh, feel free to send me an email, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at integrallife.com. I'll be happy to talk to you. Uh, David Milanowski says, my transition to retirement, I loved my work, uh, was an adjustment to creativity as well. I returned to photography as an art, and the best quote that motivated me is, done is better than perfect. I like that a lot, David. I, I often use uh, don't, let, uh, don't allow perfect to be the enemy of the good, which is, I think, good advice um, aesthetically and politically. Hmm. I'll say on that for now. Yep. Uh, someone else was very excited that, uh, that we mentioned Doctor Who. So <laughs> someone, Sean, you have very good taste. <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, guys, if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. Ryan, what have you been noticing in terms of, um, are there any creative practices just in the last few weeks that have been particularly helpful or nourishing to you that you just find yourself returning to? Um, I wouldn't say practice per se, because uh, there's been so many things that have been happening and, and I'm doing a lot of different things at once, honestly. I'm going between like power productions and leading a meditation group with Buddhist geeks and then habit shows, things like that. But um, it's mainly like for me, my creative process, things start cooking. So I, I, I would say I'm pretty comfortable with my creative process at this point uh, in life, uh, but things start cooking. And, and for me, two new things that I want to, to create that's more for kind of like fun creative creativity kind of thing without a purpose beyond doing it is a couple of YouTube channels I want to do, one around language learning and um, another one where I would do it in Spanish um, and kind of an entertainment channel, honestly. And so it's been, I usually just start opening up. Like I said, I trust my process. So that first is just opening up. It's like randomness of sorts. And I have a file in Evernote where I will just start writing ideas. Like I don't have any expectations. I'm like, I'll get them everywhere. See, that's the thing. Like, I think if you can relate to creativity in, in some of the ways we've been talking about, it's just always, it's flowing like to where it's like annoying, you know, where I'm like, yeah. I'm in the bathroom and I'm just, I'm like, oh man, I got to write down on my phone this idea so I don't forget it, you know, and then, and then channel it. And then I go through another phase later where I'm like, okay, now it's time. Like I want to like put it into form. And then I go to something else. Like for example, Scrivener, that application, I'll use that to start channeling all of the random creative notes that I've been, been, been making. Um, I would like, if I had a little bit more time, I would love to, I feel the pull to kind of just sit down and create in some of these ways, whether it's just like making some music or um, writing some poetry, things like that. But like you with your woodworking, like what I appreciate now is that so much of my creativity is merged with everything I'm doing to where I don't feel like I have to separate it out so much yep. and it's actually more powerful more meaningful to me um so yeah and i've been well, getting more creating yourself in language is a tremendously creative act i mean you're you're literally creating a new set of tools that you can use to to apply to a whole different kind of canvas that yeah you have access to before i would say I, I really love it actually impacts my this is one thing i've noticed that if you start engaging in certain art forms, whether it's like you, the form that you really like or whether you just want to experiment a little bit, that um, you can start having some new connections being made in the brain and in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in, in uh, learning uh, Spanish and practicing that, it activates my writing mind in a certain way 
where I start understanding words in English differently. And then that starts impacting my writing and how I want to articulate. And I, it's like, I start getting a broader palette, you know, to paint from. Um, so yeah. yeah. Oh, do we have a, do we have a, I don't know what this is. Nope. We just got sent a link. That's dangerous on zoom these days. Yeah. We got to watch that out. <laughs> what you got here. Better not um, see a penis in here, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> What did he send us? Creative health inquiry report. Oh, we'll check that out. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Do we have anything else uh, from these guys? Oh, Otherwise, man, this has been, this has been a, a fruitful yeah. discussion. I mean, you know, yeah, again, it's been I, it's... I walked into this feeling a little bit depleted and I'm actually walking away feeling a little bit more uh, inspired. Um, yeah. Likewise. Like, I think it'd be fun again, maybe to go down different layers of creativity. Like for example, having Stuart on one time, totally. you know, there's just so much in the world of creativity, but this felt like a really nice foundational conversation that we can reference back to in the future. If we um, have uh, more artistic, creative discussions. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Beautiful. Uh, man. Well, well, I want to thank everyone for, uh, for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks um, for being here. Yeah, seriously. And Ryan, thank you as always, man. This is, you know, I just also want to say that um, these conversations have been one of the most rewarding sources of both creativity and connection uh, for me personally, especially as we're yeah, likewise. a little bit more isolated. And um, I, I just, I, every goddamn time you and I get together, I'm just so happy with what we do and just how- Me too, man. Yeah, that, me too. That's why I was so excited to do this day, even, even when we were like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and I'm like, I look forward to it. So, and I'm looking forward to the next one. And maybe, maybe we'll have a bonus episode if we feel it uh, during the, the quarantine yet. That'd be I, nice. I, I say we bring I, Vince on. He, I talked to him today. He's very into it. Nice. So maybe we'll bring Vince Horn uh, from B, B, BG yeah. and, all, and from the old integral days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I'll have a funny story about Vince to share when we- uh, Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and just to let people know too, because we didn't do it today, but one thing we're thinking about doing, and you can let yeah. us know whether you think oh, it's yeah. idea or in the comments or whatever, we're actually thinking about starting the show 15 minutes early each time we do this and just making that a sitting session. Um, for anyone who wants to join, we can sit in silence or, you know, Ryan, I'm sure you'll be able to yeah. lead a few things for yep. us. Um, it's just a way for us to think, uh, you know, kind of find some solidarity in our causal body together uh, before, you know, really exploring the subtle and the gross and yeah so you could show up early to sit or just show up right at the top of the hour and right into the conversation but yeah yeah, let us know if you're interested in that yeah because i think there's something to be said for um people meditating in real time you know the maharishi i don't know if you believe in that crap but um if anything it feels good it's yeah i enjoy it quite a lot yeah in the meantime thanks everyone thank you thank you all okay talk to you later all right bye